Hi guys, I'm Kales. And I'm Allison. And we host Novel Predictions, a podcast where we laugh at ourselves and each other as one of us tries to predict the ending of a book the other has already read. Essentially, one of us is torturing the other. It's not torture, it's hilarious as we try and predict the story from some popular novels like Aragon, Fault in Our Stars, and more. We read the beginning, we talk about the story, and we try not to give away how royally the newbie reader is screwing up the plot. So join us every other week for fun, ruthless reviews of popular novels. Subscribe and follow us on social media, and we invite you to read and laugh along. As we torture each other. It's not torture, seriously. Maybe a little. Okay, it's just a little. Thanks for listening, and keep making novel predictions. We really need a new outro. And I'm Steph. And you're listening to The Thirst. You can find us online, Twitter, we're at The Thirst, soundcloud.com forward slash The Thirst Pod. You can find us on Apple Podcasts by searching The Thirst. Instagram, we're at The Thirst Pod, and you can email us to thethirstpod at gmail.com. Um, you can also find us on Tumblr. We've got lots of uh, links to articles and things we've referenced there before in the past. So that's thethirstpod.tumblr.com. And um, we also, rather excitingly, now have a Facebook Ta-da! page. Oh, uh, yes. You yes, can... we finally activated the Facebook page. It's, it's finally there. You can like us on Facebook. Like us on Facebook, please do. That's um, facebook.com forward slash thethirstpod. Um, I don't have a pun. Do you not? My no. my only pun for ep- well, it's not a pun, but my only thing for episode twenty six is that there's a song called Twenty Six by Paramore that was literally yeah, but it's on the new album, so it literally like oh. that is all I could think of. Sure, that and the fact that our podcast is slowly getting to the point where it's going to be older than us. It will be when older it's than like oh, our podcast is thirty one. Yay, mm. that's, that's a bit yeah, it's a bit traumatizing, isn't it? Ominous. But yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't bother looking. I Did you know. not? Oh. No, that's my. To be fair, I think you would have struggled. Although you usually pretty good at digging out the old imdb references so. it's fine there are a few ones that are coming up soon that i know i've got some great content are you just saving for. up some what was the last one that we got really anno- was it 20 no what was it that we got really annoyed that we didn't do there was something oh it was 21 oh it was 21 and we didn't do 21 seconds honestly we didn't, we didn't reference so bloody crew. 21 seconds i feel like we should re- re-record, re-record that whole. It. let's just re-record the intro so we get the chance to actually sing that song on the basis that we can reference so solid crew yeah do you think anyone outside of england even knows who so solid crew uh, are? no probably not everyone no. Google 21 Seconds by So Solid Crew if you don't know what we're talking about. It's a joy. So this is our first episode of the new year, really, I suppose. And we've happy got some, new year, Happy April. new year. Um, and we've got some news that kind of happened before 2019 began. Uh, Miley Cyrus and Liam Hemsworth got married. Yes, that was a that was a surprise marriage ceremony, wasn't it? Love a surprise wedding. Lovely. Lovely Christmas festive wedding. Yeah, so they got married in secret on December 23rd, a small ceremony at home in Tennessee with only a handful of friends and family present. Um, a few photos did leak online and then uh, Miley Cyrus and Liam Hemsworth themselves posted photos photos on their respective Kissy Instagrams photos. on uh, December 26th. Yeah. They met on the set of The Last Song almost 10 years that ago. Was 10 years ago, which is crazy to me. They've been on and off, haven't they, ever yeah. since that, but I cannot believe that they've been together pretty much for almost 10 years. It is mad. Um, In so my head, she's like barely 10 years old anyway. I think I always think that she's younger than she is. Miley Cyrus has been in a relationship longer than I have. That's well, uh, Good on her. And they debuted as a couple in 2010 at the Oscars and they then split in 2013 then got back together in 2015. Um, I thought this was quite sweet. I think it's sweet. It was surprisingly like traditional looking. Like yeah. Miley Cyrus 
looks like a, a well-adjusted person now, doesn't I she? Like she's she's really nice. I like that she's come out of her sort of strange hanging out with the flaming lips. There was a lot going smoking on a at one weed point. Blip. Remember that Robin Thicke era? That, that was wasn't, that wasn't a good era. That, that wasn't, wasn't an era to be proud of. She was she was veering very close to the cliff. I feel, yeah. and she's come back. And yeah, she was wearing a really nice, timeless white dress. She looked, she looked beautiful. She did and look very He's lovely. obviously a very nice, very grounded man. Not the, you know, not the best Hemsworth. But if you're going to marry someone, you might as well marry a Hemsworth. I would gladly marry in, marry into the Hemsworth family. Yeah, then you'd be, absolutely. Then They're still better than most of the population of the world. You're Chris Hemsworth adjacent. Though. Can you imagine being Chris Hemsworth adjacent? That's he's a your lot. brother in law. That's you'd see him all the time. All the time. Exactly. I would marry Liam Hemsworth just to get into. I probably marry the same. Breathing area is Chris Hemsworth. I'm doing a disservice to Liam here. He's a very handsome man. He's very handsome, and I'm, I feel like it's very nice for them to have been sort of on and off for ten years and decide to get married in this lovely little um, ceremony. Yeah, I mean, I I really sort of talking of my love. I'm really into that song that she's done with Mark Ronson. The... I haven't even listened to have it. Have you not? No. Oh my god, it's really good. I, I feel like I just have never really massively cared about Miley Cyrus. I haven't. Not even like I mean, part in the USA is yeah. fine, but like, yeah, I'm not. I'm I'm not. On aboard the Miley bus, in weren't, the way weren't that, big on Hannah Montana then. No, not a huge Hannah Montana fan. Uh, I must say, wouldn't have been my like Disney show of choice. I think you should definitely listen to this Matt Ronson song. Is it a new one then? Yeah, it's called um, "Nothing Breaks Like a Heart." Oh, it's oh. really cool. And then Miley she, um, she just got married. They did a couple of um, live lounge performances before Christmas. She carried covered Ariana. Can she actually sing? Yeah. Oh, that's surprising. Yeah, because I, I, I def- definitely didn't think she could sing either. She's someone who I sort of like ha- ha- generally had no opinion of and then when she went a bit odd I was just like what are you doing can you Did you, you have a sort of detached bit of concern like, yeah, like poor oh, girl this is just not going to end well is it? Someone needs to step in Someone step in not me but yeah. someone just do something but she seems to be on the right track now and seems to be a very sort of happy grounded it was also awful that the you know the house burnt down Yeah exactly I've had some nasty. trying times so it's really sweet that they're uh, they're together now. I think the thing with this wedding as well is that it just meant that you got lots of like casual Hemsworth content Oh my god! So just, sort of some of the pictures. I think that's and all we're here for, really, Did you watch the video that was shared online of all of the Hemsworth brothers doing sh- on a shot board? No. Oh my god! They were, so they I were, just want to be part of they that. They were family. all in a line. They're so there Australian. Was, yeah, they were all in a Jesus. line. There was a board and there were shots in it. And you have but to, they had a barbecue. You have to do it all at once. Oh, some of them were wearing Hawaiian wow. shirts. Of course they were. It was oh yeah, casual. no, there was some weird. There was the Hawaiian shirt thing going on at yeah. that wedding, wasn't it? Which is again is a bit very Australian. But yeah. um, I don't know if I'd allow anyone else. I wouldn't probably only allow Chris Hemsworth to do that at my wedding to be honest I think of all the people that could get away with wearing a Hawaiian shirt at a wedding it could only potentially be Chris Hemsworth quick sidebar also I'm so excited for Men in Black with Tessa Thompson and Chris right? Hemsworth and I've never been interested in a Man in Black film in my life really it's the power of the Hemsworth so exciting so and the power of Tessa and the power of Tessa uh, so there you go Miley Cyrus and Liam Hemsworth got married um, let's hope they stay together and it doesn't fizzle out accordingly uh, on to uh, our next piece of news which has kind of been uh, bubbling away this week Lady Gaga has finally addressed her collaboration with R. Kelly on the song Do What You Want which was her second single on Art Pop um, so on the 10th of January Gaga had the song removed from iTunes and streaming services in light of the sexual abuse allegations against R. Kelly that have been renewed recently with the airing of the Surviving R. Kelly documentary but let's like let's not be about but the bush has been going on for like 25 years um, so Lady Gaga um, in her statement which she posted just before 
before um, the song came down, she said, as a victim of sexual assault myself, I made both the song and the video at a dark time in my life. My intention was to create something extremely defiant and provocative because I was angry and still hadn't processed the trauma that had occurred in my own life. If I could go back and talk to my younger self, I'd tell her to go through the therapy I've had since then so that I could understand the confused post-traumatic state that I was in. Or if therapy was not available to me or anyone in my situation, to seek help and speak as openly and honestly as possible about what we've been through. It's funny this came up actually because I was listening to Keep It like this week, Mm -hmm. which came out on Wednesday, and they were talking about this and saying like, when is Lady Gaga going to come out and say, literally like the day it dropped, like the day it happened, they were like, when is she going to come out and just say like, you know, obviously no one expects that she was fully knowledgeable about what was going on when she collaborated with him, but like she hasn't said anything at all. And it's just that classic, no one saying anything scenario. I think the thing with all of this as well is that it's not necessarily that it's been a secret. These allegations against R. Kelly Mm. have been known for many, 25 years. years. So I, I do think that there has been a reluctance to want to sort of for a lot of other celebrities to acknowledge it in a very public way I mean I know that in the light of the documentary um, one person in particular who had spoken out in the documentary I think was John Legend yeah and Chance um, the Rapper addressed it as well yeah and it's sort of so you know it's I suppose it is a tricky situation to a point but then also there is a level of accountability that you have to have for Mm -hmm. acknowledging the fact that you've worked with someone especially in sort of recent years as well it's not necessarily it's oh I worked with him back in 1995 I had no idea it's like art pop came out what like 2010 yeah, it wasn't that long 11 ago, 12 yeah. like it's, it's recent history so I mean I do think there's something to be said as well about the fact that she's currently on the campaign trail for a lot of things to do with Star is Born and I think that yeah, she's finally I mean, it was she's getting more, to the point where she needed to I think that she probably is very acutely aware of the fact that in this particular time frame I award season when she is doing a lot more press she is liable to get asked about it oh so God, I think so that by issuing the statement it is probably a little bit of a I finally need to acknowledge this yeah and then hopefully it will prevent me from having to avoid those questions that I haven't yeah. wanted to, to answer so yeah I mean, I mean better late than never I guess I yeah mean, more power to her the only thing I was going to say is that in a lovely twist in the time between her statement and the song coming down download surged by what thirteen thousand two hundred and seventy percent in the US so that just proves we're all horrible human beings and our reaction to this was to go out and actually listen to the song again yeah I did so, I had brilliant. seen some um some stats as well that basically said that like since the documentary had aired that um sort of general streams of Arcane's oh, music my... have risen which really I think... like is weird and what I what I find weird actually is and I'm not calling out anyone in particular but I like have friends who say like lol but Ignition is quite a banger though isn't it and it's like under no circumstances would anyone I know think it was okay to like if I was like oh I just I just rock lost profit sometimes like you know it's the music it's not anything to do with their actual lives and people would think that was weird of me yeah but like I can rock R. Kelly because it's a banger it is odd isn't it it's just a bit like it just ties into I guess the entire conversation around this and the fact that you know when it comes to like a man abusing you know young black women no one probably cares yeah as I much. think obviously has a lot to do with it. I mean it's been interesting to I feel like maybe um Lady Gaga coming out and, and speaking so casually 
candidly about you know her past kind of mm. errors I think it perhaps maybe will signal a bit of a tidal wave of people doing the same um, French band Phoenix as well also apologised for their um, sort of involvement oh, yes. with their R. Kelly um, they appeared together at um, Coachella in uh, 2013 and they also did a collaboration with him for a remix of a song they said uh, we are deeply horrified by the stories of abuse surrounding R. Kelly we regret that we were uh, not both more informed and more discerning when we worked with him previously we fully support all victims of sexual abuse and it's our hope there'll be a path to justice I mean I do think it is pretty telling that people are suddenly having to back, um, track right um, you know in view of potential backlash um, yeah. but at the same time if it then does mean that you know it just gives continued prominence to the fact that he is someone that people should not be working with or yeah, I mean, then fair play I yeah, guess yeah it's you know it is better late than never um, maybe eventually he might actually be dropped by his label that would be helpful but you know it is weird that 2019 is the year in which not that we've discovered this all about R. Kelly because this has been happening for so long and there were so many exposés about him last year Mm. um, but this is the year apparently that other people in the public eye are going to disassociate themselves from him but as you say let's just hope that this is you know this is sort of the start of people separating themselves from him refusing to collaborate with him and I guess good on Lady Gaga for taking that song down from those services we'll be talking a little bit about the sort of oncoming uh, awards season later on because we'll be addressing the Golden Globes which happened last week but um, also that's something that was announced this week were the nominations for the BAFTAs the 72nd British Academy Film Awards will take place in London on February the 10th they'll be hosted by uh, Joanna Lumley oh British institution lovely Joanna Um, do people even know who Joanna Lumley is outside of I think that lots of people really like Absolutely Fabulous okay I just yeah I guess America probably I think you'll be surprised by how much Ab Fab is a big thing in the States suddenly we realise that it's actually like the age old favourite of everyone in the US. Yeah, everyone's brilliant. like, uh, Joanna Lumley, yes, she's a queen. Quoting yeah, AbFab all the time. Yeah, constant. Um, so the favourite is a front runner with 12 nominations. A Star is Born, Bohemian Rhapsody, First Man and Roma all received seven nods. Um, there were a few sort of interesting snubs, though generally I don't think there were too many. Um, there was nothing for Steve McQueen at all for Widows. No, that's um, true, which actually. Is, which means it's the first of Steve McQueen's films that didn't receive him any um, nominations. She's um, crazy. It's mad to me. Um, Viola Davis did get nominated for Best mm-hmm. Actress, which is great. Good to see, yeah. Um, there was nothing for Black Panther except for visual effects. Something I found quite interesting because I think she's usually someone whose work is acknowledged by the BAFTAs is mm. uh, that Saoirse Ronan didn't w- get anything for Mary oh, Queen of Scots. Margot Robbie was nominated for her role in the film as Queen Elizabeth and p- as, as a personal affront there was nothing for First Reformed. I know, that's, I mean, it's really weird how this is turning out, it's isn't baffling. it? Do you think, yeah, it doesn't bode well for kind of Oscars run well. and things like that but it just sort of goes to show that this is all a load of bollocks. Yeah, it was don't really mean anything so no. it's fine I have got a sort of other few standout observations as well it was great to see that uh, You Were Never Really Here was nominated for Best mm-hmm. British Film but that was it there was nothing for Lynn Ramsey related to that as well the Best Director category again was All Men there was um, men. Spike Lee for Black yeah. Klansman Paul Pawski for Cold War Yorgos Lanthimos for The Favourite Alfonso Cuaron for Roma and Bradley Cooper for A Star Is Born in, historically BAFTA has only awarded a woman with a Best Director win once once that's which was in good, 2010 yeah. for Catherine Bigelow's The Hurt Locker. Vice has got lots of nominations. It's not even out here yet. I know, that's funny, isn't it? Just, strange. Yeah. And also um, Green Book received four nominations. I know, there's still a lot going on for Green Book and Bohemian Rhapsody, or Bo Raps, as Bo we Raps. like to call it. Bo Raps. It's just a bit grim, isn't it? Um, I don't understand why Green Book is a thing. No, I think we've both sort of mutually said that we weren't interested in seeing Green Book and Bohemian Rhapsody. And now, in light of all of this awards stuff, it's just made me like really stubbornly say that I'm not going to go see them at all. The thing with Green Book as well is that it's got the two leads, obviously.
obviously Viggo Mortensen mm. and Mahershala Ali are two people whose work I really enjoy watching. So it's a real disappointment that actually they're involved in this film and that it has proven to be quite controversial because otherwise yeah. I would have like gladly rocked up to see it. But right. I've got no interest in seeing it. I mean, it. yeah, it feels uh, the awards feel the award categories feel a little bit better than the Golden Globes mm. at least. Like nice to see Roma in the running for a lot more. Nice to see. For, I know people were sort of disappointed that First Man wasn't getting a look in a lot of places. Um, and that yeah, as you say, there were uh, you know other films um, and actors and actresses are kind of given nods that weren't in Golden Globes. BAFTA do have a tendency to sort of pick out people whose work has genuinely been good throughout the year. So mm-hmm. compa- by comparison, especially to things like the Golden Globes, they are generally a little bit more on the. They kind of make but... most of them make sense, right? Yeah. With the ignoring those those glaring two um, things, you know, uh, the favorite and as you say, like First Man Vice, Black Klansman. You kind of can you ever forgive me you can't really dispute that those are probably some of the sort of critically some of the strongest choices yeah definitely um interesting brian may had posted um on instagram yes brian may that no one gives a shit about or apparently they do um he's accused british critics of sending a subtle message that bohemian rhapsody is not worth its recent award success because remy malik has been awarded has been nominated as best actor but the film hasn't been uh, included in the best film category. It's just like, you fucking won a Golden Globe for it. You shouldn't have even got that, mate. Like, chill I just out. feel like never before have I cared less about anything that Brian May cares oh, about. Oh, just couldn't care less about him and his stupid hair. Um, when I was watching the Golden Globe stuff earlier, I just was horrified at his sheer, like, his existence. Presence? Like, I mean, why is he even there? Oh, it's just... I, I'm sort of looking... I know it's really, you know, it's not... Probably not... He's done a lot for music, but um, I just sort of... I'm waiting for him to go away and stop yeah, riding nice on this if, film's success It would be now. nice if he could just stop. Um, so that's sort of the BAFTAs. I mean, it's also worth bearing in mind as well that the Oscar nominations are revealed on the 22nd of January. Yeah, they're coming out soon. It's just, award season's so heavy, man. And there's so many other awards that come out, like award ceremonies, that we don't even get, like, we don't even have enough time to cover. It's just a very heavy time of year for this sort of thing. It's weird as well, because I sort of simultaneously love and loathe it. Oh yeah, it's fun, but it can be, like this year, incredibly frustrating frustrating and as with everything you know just disappointing like you try you try and get into films and music and things like that to kind of escape some of the like real inequality and shit in the world and actually these Hollywood shows are just as bad really so not that I'm trying to end on a downer I think that's award season in a nutshell it is it is award season in a nutshell so on to what we've sort of been enjoying and what we've seen recently. Uh, something we were really looking forward to seeing for what feels like months um, was The Favourite. And it was finally released here at the very start of January. Um, and we went to see it last week. It's a historical period comedy drama film directed by Yorgos Lanthimos and written by Deborah Davis and Tony McNamara. Um, it's Lanthimos' third English language feature after 2017's Killing of a Sacred Deer and 2015's The Lobster. It stars Olivia Coleman, Emma Stone, Rachel Weiss, Nicholas Holt, Joe Alwyn, James Smith and Mark Gattis amongst others and the story focuses on the behind the scenes politics between two cousins Sarah Churchill Duchess of Marlborough and Abigail Hill later Baroness Marsham jockeying to be court favourites during the reign of Queen Anne in the early 18th century it won the Grand Jury Prize at the Venice Film Festival Olivia Colman recently won a Best Actress in a Comedy or Musical at Golden Globes and has also received many other accolades at various critics awards over the last few months and obviously received 12 nods at the BAFTAs I feel like we've just been on 
anticipating this one for like months. We have. It's been, yeah, it's been quite a build up to this film and a lot of these kind of awards, nominations and wins came before we saw it. So yeah, really built up the anticipation and I think it, you know, it really paid off actually. And I know we both came out of this film having really, really enjoyed it. It's, um, I'm sure you'd agree that a period drama didn't initially seem like the world that uh, Yorgos would want to inhabit or would, you know, it didn't initially seem like it would make sense, but it turned out to be very much his style, like a very strange, bitchy, inverted period drama. Yeah, the use of language and the, the lack of historical accuracy and all these kind of things, just just a really funny but really sad film at the same time with some really flawless performances. Yeah, I mean, period dramas aren't necessarily my bag either, usually. No, I wouldn't. I think, and for me, I... There are some that I, you know, there are some classics that I really love, but I wouldn't necessarily, depending on who are in the films, I wouldn't really go out of my way to see a period drama. And I'm not, I don't spend a lot of time watching period TV or anything like that. So I don't think either of us, this wouldn't like on a surface level seem like it would be something that we'd be into. No, completely. And I think because I really enjoyed Lanthimos's sort of um, other features, so Killing of a Sacred Gear and, and The Lobster. We're kind of trusting him going into this. Yeah, story, absolutely. A lot of it was the fact that the cast was amazing. Mm. like I really like his work and I think what was really interesting I think one of the things we discussed um afterwards was the fact that despite the fact that it was set in you know 18th century England mm. there were so many kind of stylistic um tropes that are very yeah. atypical of his work that mm. just were sort of so perfectly transferred to yeah. this setting that uh, you know within immediately that sort of like the first five minutes of the mm-hmm. film being on I just felt like immediately ease like this is going to be like the best fucking thing ever yeah, because like, the, the, just like the sparseness of the dialogue, in the sense that one of the things I really like about Killing of Sacred Deer and the Lobster is mm. that the the way that the dialogue is a lot of the time is very play like. Yeah. It's very kind of yeah. flat, but not flat, so it's boring, but just very like I don't know, matter of fact. It's very matter very... of fact, but it's really snappy in yeah, this film, isn't completely. it? It's such a great use of like the script is just really, really for me, really, really great. It was really witty. It was just really mm. cutting. I think it's like there's like a level of like savageness. To it is the that thing. It's like naturally very bitchy, very funny. And it's kind of, I would be interested to hear more about what people outside of kind of England think of this film. Mm. Because for me, like a lot of the turn of phrases and ways of talking just kind of as a, a film set in the in Britain kind of, I don't know, lent themselves to my ear quite easily. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, Olivia Coleman was just, as Anne, was just like, she really does deserve the kind of accolades she's been given. And she was just so at once comedic and extremely tragic. And it was that whole, it was the way she just summed up the idea of being born into power, whether you're equipped to deal with those big decisions absolutely. or not. And she... Yeah, had some of the funniest lines in the film, but also could portray such a tragic character just through like a look. Absolutely. I think that there's something kind of incredibly moving about the fact that she manages to kind of tread this line between being like an absolute pain in the arse. Yeah because she's the queen but then also there's such an underlying feeling of self-doubt and you, you yeah, sort of pity you feel her really you feel bad pit- she's her. really pitiful because she's obviously been through a lot you know um, she sort of suffered 17 miscarriages mm. when I was actually reading about sort of because I know nothing about this particular history no period. and there's, there's some of this is really kind of true to history yeah. isn't it and some of it has obviously been played around with quite significantly but that was a real thing wasn't it yeah absolutely yeah she suffered many miscarriages her husband had died um, not long 
before the film is actually set. Um, and her friendship with Sarah Churchill was incredibly close. Mm. Um, Sarah Churchill was cast out of England because she'd sort of been replaced by Abigail Hill. And there, um, the two did correspond, Anne and Sarah did correspond. And there is like a level of closeness in their mm. letters, which mm. a lot of people... Was there some speculation Yeah, there speculation. Or, yeah. I think it was implied, but I don't think the kind of the actual closeness of the relationship, mm. that, whether there is a huge amount of truth mm. to it. But I do mm. like that that was something that they kind of decided to pick up and run with in this particular film. I mean, I really, I think that Olivia Coleman and Rachel Weiss and, and Emma Stone as sort of a trifecta were just Such, phenomenal. So lovely. And it was, it was funny following Sarah, who's played by Rachel, and Abigail, who's played by Emma. And just, you know, you're introduced to Sarah as someone who is very kind of cold and manipulative. Mm-hmm. But there are parts in the film where you feel quite, you know, sorry for her mm-hmm. as well. And you do believe that she does have a close relationship to Queen Anne, even if she is kind of manipulating her a lot of the time. And Abigail as well. You meet her as this sort of fallen woman um, who never, you know, speaks like she'd never want to betray her own morals. And you kind of sympathise with her. But then she becomes like Sarah really quickly. So Sarah and Abigail have this dance between them of being equally as bad as each other really um, I, think, I think there's a lot to be said about sort of what women at the, that particular time and women in general I think mm-hmm. have to do in order to survive there was a piece on indie wire which i thought was really interesting and there were a couple of really good quotes in that so it says um they all recognize how rare it is for women to be at the center of the action um in a time when they're reliant on the men in their life and can't earn their own money the queen alone has all the power said coleman it's great to watch the women do whatever they need to survive um, and this, this bits from rachel weiss says all films should be like this they should have three women who are the good, the bad and the ugly. Mm. The others have so many men. Let's get people to write more things where women drive the story, the protagonists drive the story and get to be anything, whether cruel, vulnerable, kind, sadistic, powerful or manipulative like we are in real life. That's really good. Yeah, and I did... I did wonder whether you would call it like a, or regard it as like a feminist film. And mm-hmm. I don't, act, I say that not actually even knowing what my own answer would be. But it is, yeah, it is interesting that it has these lead women, but, you know, they are they are portrayed for all their kind of positives and negatives and their strengths and their weaknesses. Absolutely. And I just think that's just, it was just brilliant to watch. And it was just such a fun time and it just looked amazing. There were some brilliant supporting roles. Nicholas Holt. Oh my God, just... I didn't even realise going in actually that Nicholas Holt, was I in think it. I'd it's so funny. Him. It was and so funny. He's, he's, Joe Alwyn forgot he's a thing. I, that was my first experience of watching Joe Alwyn. Me on too, the I think. And do you? Uh, has it left a real impression? He's boring, isn't he? Yeah, he's just. He was uh, fine in the film. For anyone but... who doesn't know, he is Taylor Swift's current boyfriend, and I don't even really know what he's been in before, except you know. He is male Taylor Swift. Um, well, that's I was going to say that's how Vaughn describes him. Male Taylor Swift. Male Taylor Swift. Which so. I'm completely on board with. There's a lot of critic. There's been quite a bit of criticism around historical accuracy, which is, I assume, part and parcel of why six people left our screening. Wasn't that funny? Can't so, just be. I mean, obviously, I think it was probably the amount of swearing. We were in like the silver-haired brigade. Yeah, it was weird, wasn't training. it? So we went at like te- went at like six o'clock on a Monday, and for some unknown reason, we were some of the youngest people. Oh in God, there. by like. Like 40 think, years. I do think that one of the things I have found quite interesting about The Favourite and how it's been received mm. generally across the board is that, like, especially in the UK, and I did think it was quite telling at our screening, there are a lot of people in the in cinema who I think probably went because they like period Period dramas. drama. There's that expectation, they love history. There? I mean, I, I when, um, when we left the, the screening and um, you nipped to the loo and I was sort of waiting for you to return, um, there were quite a few people in the lobby that were discussing, like, the historical inaccuracies. and. Just too- um, 
and, and the fact that they didn't like that oh you know Queen Anne would never have done this and all that didn't happen and blah 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 and I just that was quite funny because like going into it that wasn't something that I was even no it's about. funny because it's just you know nearly all films ever play kind of fast and loose with the facts but I guess it is because it's on its surface looks like a period drama yeah. that that for some reason that therefore invites people to kind of assume that it's going to be historically accurate I don't yeah. know people have this thing about because it's a period drama it should be historically accurate whereas there's like all films will you know will mess around with the facts and it doesn't usually matter I just I think when I I think I said to you when we left I was like that was like Pete Yorgis oh my god yeah like really, I wouldn't have really. expected anything less from he didn't I mean he didn't care at all did he yeah. I think he'd said to the the costume designer Sandy Powell like you he she had quite a small budget and she had quite a small time frame to make these costumes which are amazing and he basically was like I do not care about historical accuracy just go for it well one thing in particular I think is quite funny with regards to the historical inaccuracies is the there's a, a sort of scene at a banquet and oh my God. Um, Rachel Weiss and Joe Alwyn have this sort of it's big so dance good. sequence I and they sort of go from sequence. doing like traditional sort of period dancing to suddenly just to incorporating just loads of like modern contemporary like, dance contemporary yeah. dance so and it just that was one of my favourite scenes it was, it was so good I just so I, I just I really really enjoyed this I really want to go and see it again I think it's one of those films that it's so rare that things live up to the hype these days I think and I yeah. going into it I was really worried mm. that having sort of built it up in my head and being so pumped for it that I would be really disappointed mm. but I just it, I thought it was great what did you think of um the ending did you have like I don't particularly have any thoughts on the ending it was sort of as as that final kind of shot was happening I was like oh god this is where it's gonna end isn't it you can kind of tell could you really decipher what it meant did it really mean anything in particular for you because I don't I haven't been able to really work it out and I've been reading kind of people's interpretations of that ending and I guess it's just I haven't settled on my particular reading of it and I do think that that's partly why I want to go and see it again because I kind of want to get my head around it a little bit I do think that I was kind of by the time it ended I was just so won over by everything that had come before that I couldn't really kind of take stock of the end yeah I've only really picked up on it because it's one of those other things apart from the music as well that people have kind of been critical of and I actually like some people found the music a bit on the nose but I actually for the most part didn't notice it there were a few moments where I kind of did that kind of really tense like screeching mm-hmm. kind of musical score um, and some people really didn't like that like it really jarred with them but I for the most part I didn't even really notice it and then when I did it didn't feel it didn't feel jarring to me in a bad way like it didn't fit it kind of worked with me I think from I, it, like music wise I think stylistically it just reminded me of like I think the killing of a sacred deer mm. is very similar There's I was gonna say of, like, just in terms of like the the films like Yorgos has done yeah it just it fits it felt that. canonical in that regard yeah. for me that it was just really? very typical of his style and I do like that there's sort of like a level of recurrence of sort of similar things yeah. that he'll hark back to even if the sort of things that the films themselves address mm. yeah. aren't necessarily the same yeah absolutely but it was interesting one of my colleagues at work had said that she came out of the film kind of laughing and her husband came out of the film feeling really bummed out and it was like they had a total duel they that, felt both elements but they both came out with like an over riding sense of one or the other which was I quite... think that again I think that's like such a, a Yorgos Anthemos yeah. like thing though because like when I think about like when I first saw The Lobster mm. which like in itself as a concept is like absolutely absurd mm. and it's 
it's sort of surreal yeah. and funny, mm. but then also like absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. Like the, I think the, the sacred deer was similar as yeah, well. Yeah, the, the, the final scene in the diner in, in the lobster, you're just sort of like, you think that there's going to be kind of like a shed of positivity and then you're like, oh shit, like this absolute mm. dread demon blue and killing of a sacred deer is the same. So I, I just think remember it's... Barry Keogh, Barry Keogh, Barry Keogh, yeah. Keogh eating that spaghetti. That's aggressive kind of, spaghetti yeah, just progressive, aggressive spaghetti eating, which is apparently a thing that we pick up on quite yeah. a lot in different films. But it is that balance of like something being so like actually quite funny but also yeah. like a little bit horrifying it's just a bit at the grim. same time so yeah. I think that that's um that's definitely a Yorgos trope yeah really enjoyable and I think we both would fully recommend it and it's a really good start to the year in terms of our cinema viewing um so uh, I'm just gonna highlight one thing that I have attempted to watch over the Christmas season you so this is the American psychological thriller I'm laughing already this is the psychological thriller series developed by Greg Berlanti and Sarah Gamble um first aired on Life time and was cancelled before being picked up by Netflix who are now going to give it a second season and it's based on the 2014 novel by Caroline Kepnes Kepnes who knows um so the premise is uh, for those who haven't been talking about it because the whole of the internet appears to be talking about it at the moment um that Joe Goldberg is a New York bookstore manager and he falls for a customer called Guinevere Beck also known as Beck to her friends, and becomes obsessed with her. So he's stalking her in secret, breaking into her apartment, getting her phone, getting to know everything about her with the intention of kind of dating her and positing himself as the perfect man to her. And when they do start dating, she's completely unaware of what he's been up to. So Joe thinks he's a good guy. He does some vaguely good guy things. He likes to help out with his neighbour. But he also happens to have a glass tank in the bookstore basement in which he murders people. So it's kind of, for me, like Dexter meets American Psycho meets Fifty Shades of Grey. Sure. It stars Penn Badgley as Joe, who, and Penn plays, Penn's a weird name, isn't it? Penn plays Dan Humphrey on Gossip Girl, am I right? I think so. Yeah. Uh, And Elizabeth Lale and Shay Mitchell, who is basically the reason that I gave this show a try in the first place. Can I just quickly sidebar, isn't Shay Mitchell's character called... Peach Salinger. Yes. Wow. Peach. It is. She is. She's basically the major takeaway from this television series. Peach I feel. Salinger. I want to name my child Peach after this. I mean, that sounds like the most like. That's what I would call she's my pretty child. Pretty rich in this. Because I'm know. like a massive hipster and just really love peaches yeah. and also the she's, work. She's she's like Sanders. just a total. Wow. Rich, cool girl in this. Peach. Peachy. Um, is it better than Pen? Who knows? People have kind of been saying, praising this series for its genius because of the way it addresses the way that society romanticises abusive behaviour. So a lot of Joe's psychopathic behaviour mimics what so many sort of male leads in romantic comedies do. Um, and he always seems to, Joe as a character, always seems to justify his behaviour. There's been a lot of talk about this online um, in the way that loads and loads of girls in particular have been commenting on Twitter talking about fancying Joe quote saying he's the kind of guy I kind of want a guy to fall for me like the way Joe Goldberg fell for Beck but the conversation around this is just mildly distressing to be honest I have really enjoyed that I mean I, I haven't watched it all I've sort of got what the thing I've really enjoyed is that Penn Badley like retweeting the com- the weird comments yes. that people are think- saying to him and then like just with like he like will quote tweet it and then we'll put like, like no but he's a murderer you know he's a psychopath no, right he's, he's like an actual murderer and stalker and yeah there's this whole conversation at the moment around um so many young girls in particular being like god no he's a murderer lol but wish he would strangle me you know sort of thing i'm confused by this whole television series mainly because i don't fancy joe or pen badgley in the slightest no um did you watch gossip girl 
No, okay. but I just don't fancy him in the slightest. Um, nothing his character does seems charming, just stupid. And nothing he does feels threatening because I don't care. Um, I watched the first season, uh, first episode and I tweeted saying that I didn't know if I could finish it because the voiceover is just a total cringe fest and it's just the silliest programme in the whole world and it's so hard to take seriously or even feel engrossed in. It's just listening to that Keeper episode last week, they were talking about it and saying how they're completely obsessed by it because everyone is obsessed with this show at the moment. I think that everyone I know that's watched it has like absolutely detested it but has kept watching. I think it's like the epitome of like a hate watch. It is, yeah. I mean, I've kept it rolling in the background whilst I've been doing things like prepping for the podcast. So I've just let it roll in the background because you really don't have to be invested in it in the slightest. I don't really get why anyone would have be obsessed with the show because it is just completely ludicrous. Um, Beth also is just the most massively unlikable person ever, as is everyone in the show, really. And I think that's supposed to be the point a little bit as well, that she's like, oh, you know, she's a bit selfish, but blah, blah. I, ju- I just think they're all complete dickheads. And I just couldn't recommend it to anyone. And I don't even think it's doing anything clever, really. I did and... think it was quite telling when I said to you, like, oh, should I watch like, no. at least one episode of you just so I know what you're on about? And you were like, just oh, honestly, don't bother. Absolutely don't. Like, just watch Dexter. or And I didn't even finish Dexter, but I think I'd rather watch Dexter. Just watch American Psycho. Or just, no, maybe don't watch Fifty Shades of Grey because I don't want to watch that either. But I think maybe if you have some sort of investment in Penn Badgley as a person or as a person that you want to have sex with, maybe that helps. But I'm just, it's just rubbish. I think reading the synopsis of the the series and seeing people's reactions to it from a personal front, having endured Gossip Girl for as long as I did, um, it feels like a logical next step for uh, Dan Humphrey anyway. Yeah, Um, well, yeah, that's that seems to be the thing that people Mm. saying and you know i watch all kinds of trash tv i watched all of vampire diaries i'm like a trash monster i eat that stuff but i just can't get into this at all like he just he like follows her around and they're talking about this and keep it he follows her around and stalks her but like two paces behind in a hat and it's like he's wearing a hat therefore no one can see him and it's just so silly like it's the silliest premise all of it's ridiculous none of them are likable um and i'll probably Actually, now we've spoken about it, I probably won't finish it. Also, um, Lydia the other day just told me what the ending was anyway. So it's all been completely spoiled for me and I still didn't care. Well, you weren't enjoying it anyway. So I just don't care. So I'd love for people to try and, you know, I'd love for people to tell us why they think it was like someone send us a, you know, an argument for why you should be given a chance. But I'm I'm surprised that people have been given it as much time as they have. Um, Just a couple of things that I've kind of managed to watch this week um i managed to somehow in the last 24 hours i've, I've blasted through the entire first season of kidding um, is this the jim carrey thing yeah it's the jim okay. carrey thing so it's a comedy drama created by dave holstein jim Carrey's doing stuff he's doing stuff um, uh, dave holstein worked on weeds i'm dying up here and raising hope um the series stars jim carrey frank langella um judy greer cole allen juliet morris and Catherine keener and marks a second collaboration between executive producer michael gondry and jim carrey who previously worked together on the film eternal sunshine of the spotless mind um the show itself is set in Columbus, Ohio and follows Jeff Piccarillo, um, who's a beloved TV children's presenter, Mr. Pickles, who's appreciated by children and parents alike. Uh, Mr. Pickles ankles a multi-million dollar brandy empire, but he faces a personal tragedy in very um, difficult family life. It was something that was just recommended to me by my friend Sophie and I was looking for something that was really, really quick. It's the episodes is it on only... Netflix? Or... Uh, it's on Now TV, it's oh, on Sky okay. Atlantic. Um, cool. The episodes are only about half an hour long. Oh, and I was an one... hour episode. There are so many th- TV series at the moment 
moment that I really want to start, but the episodes are like an hour and my attention span currently is just shot. So I was really enthralled by the fact that it was 30 minutes. And it's just, it's such a good like look at the, this kind of impact that grief and death can have on your life. It reminds me a lot of, there's a, um, as well as kind of the tone itself is generally very eternal sunshine of the spotless oh, okay. mind. So if you've ever seen that and you know Michelle Gondry's work yes. generally, it's very on brand for him. It also reminds me of his film uh, The Science of Sleep. Mm. Have you seen that? I have, yeah. yeah a very the, long time. Is it got a horse on the cover? Yeah, the Gal Garcia yeah. by Nile and My Charlotte My is remembering the covers. Uh, Mr Pickle's show in Kidding um, involves a lot of puppets and the sort of making of puppets is sort of very... Okay. Sp- is something that's sort of deeply embedded into the film. Catherine Keener plays his sister Dee Dee who is the person that makes all of the props for the show. I mean, it just reminded me so much of Science of Sleep. There's this sort of split between what is real and what is sort of being imagined Fantasy, in, yeah. in the same okay. way the science of sleep does so it was just something that I kind of needed something that was pretty light but also was not really light because it addresses kind of big themes but it was just really easy to get through and Jim Carrey's That's performance nice. in it is really are you really a Jim Carrey good. fan generally yes. like generally I don't give a shit Jim, about Do Jim you Carrey know? not really I but when I was a kid. you know I'm just I tend to be like this with a lot of he's comedians such so. an intriguing character to me I think he's is had... he supposed to be a good person in real life I think he's fine there okay. was that stuff a few I get confused sometimes that I can't remember who's good and who's bad. There was a furore a few years ago where I think that one of his ex-girlfriends died and there was a little bit of controversy Oh my controversy god, yes. I remember that. It. Yeah, um, I do remember that. Maybe that's why I was questioning and also he's, he's quite human. he's quite big on painting now and does a lot of like political painting. Oh, is, that, is that what the painting joke was about? The Golden, the Golden Globes? Globes? Okay, sure. Because yeah. that literally passed over yeah. my head. I mean, to be fair, I think he, his his performance in this was um, totally warranted like receiving the Golden mm. Globe accolade. Oh, okay, nice. You know, the nomination itself. So, I mean, yeah. So I definitely would recommend it if you're in, in the market for something that's super, super quick, but also kind of cool. Um, I also managed to watch all of um, Salt, Acid, Fat, Heat as well, which is a Netflix show based on Samina's rat acclaimed cookbook. Oh, um, love a cooking show. Right. Samina is an Iranian-American chef and food writer. She's a regular columnist for the New York Times. And each of the four episodes is based around uh, one of the four words in the title. So episode one, she goes to Italy to talk about fat and cooking. Episode two, she goes to Japan to talk about salt. Mexico is episode three, and she's talking about acid. And then episode four, um, she's in the United States looking at kind of the impact of heat. Um, I love cooking shows. I love just like watching other people cook food and eat mm-hmm. food. And she's her passion for food and cooking is just like absolutely palpable. So um, there are only four episodes, like I said. So it's a pretty Lovely. quick watch. So yeah, I would definitely recommend that. Lovely. Of course, on the music front, not much to report, but we did finally get around to doing the end of year playlist. Finally, took a little bit of time, but took we a little got bit there. of time. Um, it's put together. We'll link to it in the show notes. You can also find it on our Twitter as well. It's just on Spotify, so you can follow and download it. Um, I didn't put any weird like industrial music on there in case didn't. anyone's worrying. I, I thought that might be going a bit far. I didn't put too much dad rock or sad girl music on it either. See, we've been really good to you this so year. It's, it's really enjoyable. Um, it's also worth mentioning as well that we're on Spotify Yay, now. we're on that little green app that I yeah. love so much. Right, so if you um, do follow podcasts on Spotify, you should be able to search for and find us. We're probably right at the bottom, but you'll notice us. Until people start listening to it. Was yeah. it really difficult to do? I assumed it would be a bit like filing a tax return it, in terms well, of It used to be really, really hard and a faff, but I think that they've made it a lot easier now. Is that why so. everyone's suddenly on Spotify? Yeah, so sure. Are you going to listen to podcasts on Spotify? I have like, done before in the past. Is it useful in comparison to any other it's quite nice having everything in the same app oh God, this is a boring conversation this isn't it I'm so sorry for bringing it up anyway let's carry on to something else D- definitely download us on Spotify though 
So on to our main little discussion of this episode, and we thought we'd um, give a little recap of the Golden Globes. The first major Hollywood ceremony of this year's awards season is the Golden Globes. Uh, It was the 76th Golden Globes, which took place in Los Angeles on the 6th of January, which was kind of middle of the night for us in the UK on the Monday morning. Um, So we're going to give some thoughts on the awards themselves, some key moments, and of course, for us, the most important thing, outfits and uh, things that took place on the red carpet. Um, I thought I'd just flag up before we start that for anyone who doesn't really know how the Golden Globes are decided, mm-hmm. um, the HFPA, who are the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, it's a, a non-profit organisation made up of journalists, about 90 international journalists who are based in Southern California, and all of the journalists have to write and report in some way on film and TV. Um, doesn't mean they necessarily are great at it, so uh, for many people, uh, the uh, the HFPA themselves are a sort of a, a point of ridicule, and you know there's often lots of discussion around whether they should really be the ones to have a say on who wins awards and who doesn't. But I just thought I'd clarify that for people who might not really know much about um, them in the first place. I know we discussed them before and their propensity to kind of be drawn to films that have the biggest celebrity elements to them or celebrities that are available for selfies and for backstage hanging out and all of that jazz. They love a schmooze. They love schmoozy, schmoozy films um, and celebrities. So maybe some of this is indicative of that. Uh, But it's worth keeping in mind that those are the people that are um, deciding on who wins these awards. And that might be account for why they are so fucking weird sometimes. So your thoughts, I thought I'd go with your thoughts on the award winners to begin with um, um we don't have to go through all of them but maybe just some key things um i generally was unenthused i've just put they're quite boring really aren't yeah they? i've written general feeling unenthused <laughs> um i have got a few pointers of things that i did quite like so um just off the bat sandra o hosted with andy sandberg and oh my i did God, really so like sandra o's nice. acceptance speech where she mentioned her parents with her mum and her dad who were there she's so Lovely. I mean, she looked fucking amazing as well, but she's also just the loveliest, warmest person, isn't she? She is wonderful. What did you think of their opening monologue? Um, It was, like, fine. It it follows off a bit that Andy Samberg has done before in the past, which is, like, compliment roasting. So it's, like... It's quite... I mean, that's quite... It's sweet, isn't it? Yes, they decided that they weren't going to be horrible about everyone in the open monologue. They were just going to give everyone compliments, Mm -hmm. um, which was fine. Scripted stuff's never going to be great, though, No, I mean, so the fact that they were even hosting together, I was really excited. They'd hosted an, a single award at the mm. Emmys, so this is where the kind of hosting gig for the Globes came about. And they're both so lovely. And they're both really likeable. So we're rooting for them. But I think generally, they I don't think they necessarily lived up to my expectations. I think I probably expected more, so it was fine. I did like the fact that in that open monologue, they did acknowledge there can be 100 people in a oh room. Oh my God, And 99 so people don't care about them. So Lady Gaga's favourite um, speech that she kept... So Every part of the Star is Born press tour, she was mentioning Have you this. seen that compilation yeah. of just every single time yeah. she said... Every time she says this thing about being 100, there can be 100 people in the room and 99 don't believe in you, but all it takes is just one who does. I mean, yeah. fine, but also... I mean, I did. I just thought that was really, really funny. I also liked funny. the fact that uh, Sandra O oh was making a joke about uh, Asian representation in films. Obviously, Crazy Rich Asians came out last year and mm-hmm. she sort of made a joke about Ghost in the Shell, which obviously starred, quite famously, uh, Scarlett Johansson. Yes. And... Emma Stone in Aloha. Neither of those women are of um, Asian descent. 
no. Um, and in the, I don't know if you picked up on this, but when she was making that joke, you could hear you Emma, Emma Stone, Stone in the background going, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Which yeah. I thought was... Um, I and thought Sandra was did that little, like, yeah, like, like so cute. I yeah. just think that was good. But g- generally speaking, I mean, the monologue was fine. When they made the made like some the Oscars joke at the beginning um, about uh, how like one lucky winner was going to be hosting the Oscars next time, whatever. They were like they the camera like panned to people in the audience, and people were actually doing that like Chrissy Teigen awkward like, like this uh, is so bad yeah. um, thing. So I feel like everyone felt obviously very warmly towards Sandra Oh and Andy Samberg, but it it was it was a little bit cringe. Back to the the awards winners themselves, though. Um, Olivia Coleman. Oh, lovely. Just lovely, lovely. Our hometown hero. She is a hometown hero. Gave a little shout out to Norfolk. Spoke to someone about Kings Lynn. Good times. Got in some swearing. I just thought, I mean, she's someone that's like so, like no frills. She's so normal and down down to earth. earth. She talks about the fact that she got to fly in a private jet and spent the entire like filming eating loads eating of food she called she called Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz her bitches yeah. like oh, in the most amazing British accent I just I love how surprised Americans are at people's Britishness when it happens because so she just sounded like the no- most normal British person she is from Norfolk she is she is like our you know one of our one of our pride and joys is oh, Olivia Coleman, and we're going to mention that as much as we can. Yes. And our local newspaper, the EDP, really has been really sort of using that to, to their advantage as much as they I can. I think I will link to that article they wrote in the wake of her oh winning, because it's such a like atypical like local press clinging to someone. They've been waiting. Like If Olivia Coleman wins, we can write a whole article about how she's from Norfolk. Yeah, it was it was a delight. But yeah, her speech is, is brilliant, and I, I was really pleased to see her win, especially obviously having now seen the favourite. It was like very... Very, very well justified. deserved. Um, I was personally pleased that Ofanso Coron won for Best Director for Roma. Yeah. Um, it's a film I very, very much enjoyed, and I think that it's hopefully it means that he'll get acknowledged um, at the Oscars as well. Also, really was pleased to see. I mean, I haven't focused too much on the TV wins actually, no. but um, it was ACC. I thought that, they were quite boring. Yeah, there were a lot of shows that I haven't watched. So I, I get the sense there were a lot of shows that quite a few people hadn't watched. Yeah, well, the HFPA, um, for example, are very good at like acknowledging things that are on streaming sites because a lot of those streaming sites will go and do the schmoozing so I mean to their credit they did champion uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel very early on and it was great to see Rachel Brosnahan uh, win again this year but um, yeah there was like the Kaminsky method the Kaminsky method no on one's Netflix. I literally don't think anyone's um, there were quite a few other things that I just was like what is that I had to google afterwards yeah it was a lot wasn't it I thought Glenn Close winning best actress in a drama I mean Lady Gaga definitely thought she was going to get that which she was she was I think I think A Star Is Born generally I think they were all fully expecting to win a lot more but didn't so funny um which was actually surprising i guess to us as well but glenn close's acceptance speech was like i oh i just brought me to tears like, i watched it, was it again so... i watched it again earlier and i definitely was like weeping a little bit it's just the look on her face when she wins is beyond cute she totally then, didn't expect it no she just couldn't i don't think anyone else could have been more gracious and just when she talks about thanking her sisters and how she was talking about her mum and how her mum, uh, when she was older, felt like she had never accomplished anything and that it was important for women to feel like they have personal fulfilment. It was such a lovely, like, and I haven't seen The Wife and I think hopefully people will go and see The Wife now and I, because of this, but um, it just seemed really, like, that seemed like one of the really genuinely lovely, like, awards wins of the evening. Probably one of 
yeah, apart from uh, Olivia Coleman, one yeah. of the only and I feel ones. Like, I feel like her reaction as well was completely genuinely, like, dumbfounded, like, and then she went she on to She was so say, shocked. Yeah, went on to do, like, a very impassioned speech that she probably didn't think that she was going to do, but the fact that she got to do it was just was just wonderful. Um, just back to A Star is Born as well, I did find it interesting. They only won one award, yeah, which was really, shallow. I think everyone was surprised by that, especially them. Yeah. And and I feel the fact that Mark Ronson went on stage with, like, a pre-written speech was, yeah. like, they obviously anticipated getting some big wins. Lady Gaga's gown, like, they were anticipating some big stuff. Did you think it was weird that Bradley Cooper was on, wasn't on was on stage for that, but they just, like, had, like, Lady Gaga and Mark Ronson and... I don't know, I just thought it was a bit strange. Well, the thing is, I think that he wasn't involved in the writing of that song, so I think he it's probably why. It. Yeah, but I don't think that matters. I still thought it was a bit weird, you know. Well, but there you go. He's weird, so... Who? Bradley Cooper. Oh, total weirdo. We'll talk about him in a bit on the red carpet. Um... Do we want to discuss Rami Malek um, winning I've, Best Actor in a Drama for so I've written, Bo uh, Raps? I've written big wins for Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, Best Film, Best Actor. Um, I Which has stumped everyone. Yeah, I texted you earlier um, to say, like I said, I was re-watching a lot of the Golden Globe um, acceptance speeches and I endured Rami Malek's again. I, full disclosure, I love Rami Malek a lot. I, you know, I'm obsessed with Mr. Robot, of which he is the one of the lead stars, but his acceptance speech honestly makes me die I feel, and not in a good yeah, way yeah i feel bad because he seems so sweet and he looked like he was gonna cry but he's also so weird and so intense when he talks and i just feel a bit uncomfortable when i see him talking and moving like we'll go into there was just so many moments of cringe there were there um, was um the, the part of his speech that i think was the most excruciating for me was that when at the end when he like thanks, thanks brian May. Like, Thanks, Brian May. And then he thanks Freddie Mercury. God, this is for you, Freddie. No, I mean, everyone I don't stop. think it is. Uh, everyone just... Can't we just... Just this Bohemian Rhapsody thing. Can't we just all go and watch Queen videos on YouTube? Can we not applaud Brian May loads? Because everyone just, like, cheered when they were talking about Queen. It's like, Weird, everyone's here. Like, everyone's enjoyed Bohemian Rhapsody because they like Queen. Like, people actually enjoying this film itself for any other reason. It I just think I would rather just go and listen to Queen. Just go and that's... listen to cre- Cream. Just go and listen to Cream or <laughs> queen just either would Going be yeah would be great i've also written about uh, green book and its wins as well so it won uh, best uh, musical or comedy best supporting actor um, for mahasha ali and best screenplay just I, I was i can't really get my head around this film and its existence um but i do think this was quite interesting from the ringers and um, green book is a type of movie that's traditionally been oscars bait a biographical dramedy that touches on race in a safe comfortable manner while reflecting on the safe progress yeah. we've made but the film has been criticized for fumbling its racial messaging oftentimes it's jamaican american pianist don shirley's who's the butt of the joke and it's one-sided perspective of the real life relationship between shirley and anthony worse the family of dr shirley has criticized green book's portrayal of the late musician stating that he wasn't as friendly with fellow longer as the film implies and condemning the way that the film depicts dr shirley as separated from his family i just am baffled it's just a bit awkward isn't it i mean there's a lot of other um as you say there's articles and podcasts and discussions out there which kind of deal with the the topic of green book a lot more eloquently um and you know also i haven't seen it but i have no desire to see it and just its presence at this ceremony was just really really awkward yeah there's just so much awkwardness around it well peter peter farrelly's acceptance speech after it won best comedy was basically a lecture on how we can all just be friends if we understand each other's differences which yeah like this feels even more jarring given the kind of various bits of controversy around the film and also 
his subsequent undoing this week. So there was a tweet. Oh my god! He's so since, much he has since deleted his uh, Twitter account, and there was a tweet that he posted a few years ago that was about nine eleven and and Muslims. Which mm. bear in mind that Mahershala Ali, i.e. The, the person who <laughs> won an award for the film, yep. is, is Muslim. Um, is just that's just also awkward. That awful. and the whole Brian Singer thing with Bohemian Rhapsody is just they both are just so they they had some major wins at this ceremony, and they're just both such horrendously awkward films to discuss that I or it that's what brings like the whole thing down really I think there's some a lot of really kind of I shouldn't say boring wins because that's not fair but I mean those two like films in particular it's just really awkward just one other shout out I was going to say is uh best actor in musical comedy um presented by Sasha Ronan which was lovely because just being able to hear her Irish accent is a complete fucking joy and then she got to uh announce Christian Bale who came on stage and I just will never get over his accent I know it surprises everyone else as well it's so funny how like well the thing was just so funny the thing with christian bale and and his um acceptance speech at the golden globes is that there was suddenly like a massive flurry of people online being like wait he's english wait what yeah Yeah. and that's not the thing that it like i know he's english so that's not what it like surprises me it's just how like not cockney but like colloquial Um, he sounds it's so the thing with him is though is he has a real tendency to modulate his accent so there was i can't remember which film he was doing press for but he basically did all of the interviews in an american accent i think (laughs) so Um, and and now he's like oh geezer that's not even what he sounds like i was um, i mean i he moved to LA when he was seventeen, so he's actually lived in the states. You just think he would have? He wouldn't. He was sounding a bit like Tom Hardy it's in this. Really, it's like you definitely don't usually sound that bad. It's really telling to me that his like two of his acting inspirations are Gary Oldman and Michael Caine, and it's yeah, like he's just yeah, completely embodying yeah. both of them. And it seems so much more extreme yeah. on this occasion than usual, and it just was really jarring and it's funny. funny wasn't it? it was really funny. It was a title like blokey, blokey, bloke. Like oh god, it just made me laugh so much. And yeah, it was funny that he thanked Satan. Did you have any other awards feedback or did you want to go into some of our other key moments? We've already discussed uh, Sandra O and Andy Samberg uh, and a couple of other things. But um, what were your other key moments from the awards ceremony as a whole? Um, I really enjoyed um, Amy Poehler and Maya Rodos' uh, intro into Best Screenplay. Um, Always good. It was a proposal which mimicked um, writer Glenn Weiss's uh, proposal at the Emmys. I felt kind of Um, bad about that, but also it was really I really enjoyed it because it was the award that then uh, Green Book won. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought it was just quite funny that they'd basically dwarfed um, that entire uh, win for them. Also, they're just a delight and I would... They're Gladly. very natural on stage as presenters, aren't they're best they? pals, so it's it's just always a delight to watch them. I mean, Amy Poehler always kind of yeah, that always works. Interact together. Um, you've already mentioned the Christian Bale thanking uh, Satan, which was uh, that was, was good. good. Again, really loved Olivia Colman's acceptance speech. Um, please seek out the whole thing because she's just oh, an she's absolute just a joy, isn't she? Um, just joy, absolute delight. Um, there weren't too, to be honest, there weren't too many other things that um I kind of I kind of picked out. Was there anything in particular that you... um well the things that I picked out that were positives and they're not all positives. Uh, what did I say? So we spoke about Glenn Close and Olivia Coleman. Um, the fact that Timmy took his mum to the awards again is always a joy and they dance with their shoes off afterwards he's so pure it's unbelievable um timmy loves taking his 
mum to award shows. Uh, I really enjoyed the in style Warner Brothers after party, like in the lift sequences. Those are always they a were treat. so good. Particularly enjoyed Pete Davidson and Machine Gun Kelly coming out of the just too much. I I simultaneously all on board for the Machine Gun Kelly Pete Davidson friendship, but also I'm slightly horrified it by it and, and worry deeply. It's disgusting, but also can't stop watching. Yeah, I just really enjoyed the uh, the Black Panther, the Lupita. Oh my god. Dan- and Michelle, Dan I and uh, Michael, Michael Jordan just well. with Lapita and Dan I like kissing afterwards so good uh, and a couple of other little things were this room around Pete Davidson and Kate Beckinsale leaving the, uh, the ceremony yeah. together. Oh, my God, That's guys. A thing. Pete Davidson continues to punch well above his weight. It's that big dick energy. It is. Lots of women just wanting to see whether the rumours are true, I feel. Um, and also that Troye Sivan receiving flowers, hoping that they're from Timothy Chalamet was a bit lovely. Um, other awkward things um, were just Rami Malek in about 500 different <laughs> awkward situations. Uh, that that thing where Nicole Kidman like well they say that Nicole Kidman basically ignored him on stage even when he put his hand on her back to get her attention she probably couldn't see him because he's so small I think she just couldn't see him because she's so tall and he's tiny he's tiny I, just, I think she like turned could have turned around and just not seen in her eyeline that he was there like a small fly just flying past her he's like not even right? it's just so it's just so small um, and tightly and we were discussing before actually how Rami Malek just like carries himself like someone who who's really gangly but he's actually just really compact and petite it's just really funny to watch i really enjoyed that tweet saying that um he always looks like he's trying to eat chips as quietly as possible because it's actually true it's very true um bless him and i think that was probably mostly it it was it's a bit of a, a bit of a weird one oh uh, i guess f- for me the most important part of any awards ceremony really is the outfits and the red, the red carpet, carpet entrances so um did you want to talk through well, any of those I think the first thing we need to talk about right okay so we need to talk about this really important thing we could have done an hour on this alone <sighs> Timothy Chalamet turned up in what I'm refusing no one can correct me on this turned up in a motherfucking sparkly harness it was a sex dungeon harness and I'm not being told it's a bib I don't care if it says bib on the website it's not a bib bibs catch food or they just the way they sit is a harness. I'm telling you now. I think the thing that was quite funny about this is so for obviously for us for, because of the time difference. Oh, it was um, like one o'clock in the Golden morning. Golden Globes happens um, in the middle of the night for us, and I woke up and I happened to look at my phone, and there were lots of messages from Vaughn. <laughs> one of in which, Australia. In Australia, one of which was a picture of Timmy, and then I happened to, uh, I wasn't sleeping particularly well, um, and then I went on Instagram and I found um, a, a proper full screen picture of Timmy in this harness. And and I sent it to you and then I had to basically wait, wait until you like, got, would wake up She'll be up, up in, in six morning. hours. I woke up and I always do like a cursory look at my phone notifications in bed before I actually read them. I just kind of look at the screen, see yeah. what's on there. And there was just loads of stuff being like, Steph, wake up, wake up, Steph, 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 you need to look at this. And I could see there were loads of photos and I was like, what is going on? I opened it and it's like, fuck, fuck. That's a, that's a sparkly harness right there. I'm so on board for it. It is, I just, he's... It's just, 
it's a lot, isn't it? He knows exactly what he's doing. He so knows what he's doing. It's like painful in a like good way. Yeah. That Ellen interview that he did like recently where she asked him about it and he's like, I, I just thought it was a I just thought it was a bib. No, you didn't. Like, Shut the fuck up. You did not think that was you just didn't. a bib, you absolute tease. You absolute um, bait. I would say that was the highlight of the carpet, just generally. We could stop there, couldn't we? We could, all done, but I will allow you to continue. Um I really like Saoirse Ronan's look. She had oh this my like God. slicked back hair, amazing. plunging neckline, it's a silvery. I just want to make dress. friends with her at latitude. I just oh, love her. I love she's her. She's so, so good. So much. Um, I really really enjoyed um, Sandra Oh and Jodie Comer's for Killing Eve in their contrasting white and black red carpet. And they were holding girls. hands and looking at each other like this is a moment. It's so that yeah, was just such so a delight. Um, Lily Reinhardt as well. I know yeah. you really like. So I just yeah, I I really like Lily Reinhardt. I just think she's quite pure as well. Like she's a friend of Timmy, and uh, you know I do love Riverdale, and I just think she seems like a really sweet girl. And her red gown was definitely was like fabulous. In terms of like big gowns mm. of the ceremony, I think hers was one of the best. It certainly made a statement. Um, other statement in sort of gowns as well as Janelle Monet. Um she oh wore something God. that was from Chanel's Egypt themed um collection, which was also shown at the Temple of Dendo and Metropolitan Museum. She's perfection. She just looks fabulous She's all the time. Perfection. She could always. basically wear anything and would look amazing. She's but I, I so do, like so stylish though. I do like that she always thinks stylish. outside the box as well. Yeah. She always comes up with something that's like a bit different or a bit interesting. Um I really enjoyed Billy Porter and his fabulous suit and cape. Oh my God, yes, it so much. Amazing. Um I really like Rachel Brosnahan's yellow dress. Yes, well. such um, a good look. I like the fact that Alison Brie wore like this jeweled bra. Oh, it was very yeah, and tulle skirt with straps. Of the sort of, like it was very like American hard. prom. I don't know. It was yeah, a bit... I also love Lupita Nyong'o's um, blue droplet dress. So yeah, it was sort of like backless. And the only other thing I've pointed out is the fact that um, Chris Messina decided oh, to debut his blonde. My hair. God, apparently I fancy Chris Messina. A fuckload more now that he's got this weird blonde hair look it's quite a statement piece but i'm really into it survive i'm weirdly into it though right it's yeah it's the thing what was bradley cooper wearing and what did he look like because you know how i was saying i was feeling that jackson vibe i am not i just don't fancy normie bradley cooper well the thing is as well is i've as discussed many times i've completely you know like been very very pro bradley cooper but even when i saw we like no the red carpet pictures i was like what what is going on and i don't know if that's because i've experienced him as jackson may which is like the pinnacle of my fantasy and now everything by comparison is just like no but he just doesn't look good (sighs) it wasn't great was it it was a bit of a it was a bit of a damp squib i would say there are so few people that can carry off an all-white suit (sighs) and it's Um, not bradley cooper timmy Yes. Done a good job. Ryan Gosling is known for who yeah. he's worn all white before and has looked like an absolute catch, but Bradley Cooper is not. Not, not one. really one of them. Um Lady Gaga looked pretty nice. Did you Very, like that dress? I mean, I thought it was nice. I didn't think as I was saying, like in terms of big gowns, it was probably the biggest gown of the night, but no by no means the best, really. Uh, for me it just felt like the sort of gown someone would wear when they know they're going to win something which didn't quite well, yeah. work um i did really enjoy her reaction to being shown that photo of judy garland though which is they do look immensely similar so that is not an accident no and i think it's quite funny as well that that keeps being that's been totally memeified and now that's a really good meme though yeah i'm quite into that I name that well. um 
the entire cast of Black Panther, I thought, just looked amazing. And Michael B. Jordan having like Lapita and Denai on his arm, just amazing. I saw Emily Blunt and John Krasinski looked like one of the cute couple alerts going on. Um, Forgot Catherine Zeta-Jones, Michael Douglas were, we were discussing, forgot they were even together. I thought they split up. Apparently they're still together. But apparently they didn't. I just well, imagined that. And they're still on the circuit. Nicole Kidman's outfit was strange. Just very red leathery. Yeah, sort of. I mean... She often wears weird outfits, I think. She makes, sort of makes it work, though, because she's so tall and willowy that yeah. she can pull off that stuff. Whereas if I wore that, I'd look like I was wearing an apron in a butcher shop. <laughs> you know, like, wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't have it. It was also, a very I, bold dress. Also, I forget lot. that she's married to Keith Urban, who always looks very odd. Yeah, just... There was some Rock real... Th- this is always a really good time to just see some really weird couple combinations. Yeah, people you like, get her together. Oh, yeah. Like, for example, I just forgot what Bradley Cooper's wife looked like until... And All I, I know just... about her is that she's a Russian model. Yeah, and also, like, Jim Carrey, Christian Bale, forgot what his wife looks like. Christian Bale and Sam Rockwell look really similar. And in sure. that ceremony, there was a point where the camera pans to Sam Rockwell, and I genuinely thought Christian Bale had somehow got a buzz cut in the time that he'd been at the ceremony. Trust me on this. I, I fancy I them think both. Look, so I mean, funny. fine. Um, Julia Roberts was wearing the what weirdest that? outfit. That was a fucking... Like a dress and, no, and trousers. I don't know if I want to wear trousers. I don't know if I want to wear a dress. So I'll just wear both. Someone else did that in an awards season last year. And I remember being like similarly like... Is this like when we used to wear dresses over trousers? Yeah. Like and it was, like, it was like trousers in the front, like party dress in the back. It, someone described it as looking like the front of her dress had been torn off. So she had to borrow some suit pants from someone. Which yeah, like completely it really did. did. It was. It wasn't a great look, though. I would say. And um, Cody Fern looked very good. Yeah, um, really, very, very really stylish. good. Very stylish. I mean, obviously, as usual, the men in their tuxedos just consistently like not not thinking outside of the box. But you can put a suit on anyone, and I will oh just instantly God. fancy them. I think. Yeah, it's really true. Idris Elba had a really good suit, yeah. like a turquoisey, emeraldy. No, they're different colours. Emerald. Emerald's what I was going for. Just looking really Everyone, handsome. Every, like, men just look delightful in suits, I, I think. know. I know some people think they're boring, but I just think they're a really good It does thing level someone up put. a bit. It really does. Like, it just helps. And actually, putting women in jumpsuits a la Sandra O oh, post-party with her sneakers and diamonds right. was also a, a wonderful look. So there were, some go- I, there were some good ones. The only other additional thought I had was... Is Christian Carina, who is Lady Gaga's fiance, actually hot? I don't fancy him. I don't fancy him as well. And I feel like he has all the characteristics of someone I should fancy, and yet I don't. It's not my vibe. But he, I, when I looked at the picture of them together, I just thought he's male Lady Gaga. Yeah, like, no, that's quite true, looked, actually. They looked very, very similar. I don't, I'm just not into it. Yeah. What does he do? Do we know? What no is idea. He? No idea. Okay. He just rich. smokes a lot. Rich and smokes I a lot. I assume he's probably rich. Silver hair. I feel, yeah, I feel like I should fancy him, but I just don't. Um, so that's our little recap of uh, the Golden Globes. But we have no guarantees that we'll do the same for the BAFTAs and the Oscars, but awards season is truly upon us. And if there's anything good, I'm sure we will, but um, watch this space. We'll watch see what space. happens. Um, so, obsession of the week. Um, thoughts, feelings? Oh, God. I feel like I've had many obsessions of this week, and that, that harness is one of them. Yeah. Um, and Olivia Colman's been quite a good one, because yep. we discussed her at work for quite a long time, and that was rather lovely. Um, my obsession um, or currently of today is this picture of um, that we'll post of Timmy and Army Hammer uh along with his wife, Elizabeth Chambers. Um, they went to an industry party for Beautiful Boy last night, um, which is the 11th of January. Um, and Army looks 
like, I'm not really sure what to describe him as, but this is possibly the worst outfit slash combo I've ever seen. I described him this... as a dad at a sports game. He but does like, look like a dad like, at sports not in a good way. Not he looks like dad. he's the middle-aged team coach. Like, he's wearing, like, a silky jacket. Although, initially, I thought he wasn't wearing a shirt underneath. I didn't either. Um, it... Because it's red, and he's very red in this photo. So I just thought he had his chest out. There's another in that photo set where he just looks, looks really high. There's just... It's not a great photo set for him, is he? It's and I'm not now, looking good. I'm a bit worried. I'm not really sure what's going on here, but it's not a good not thing. Not good. Um, so I'm a bit worried for Army Hammer, and I worry that... You know how we say that he might not age well? I'm worried that it's happening mm. too soon. Well, I showed you that picture of him and his dad on his the beach. His dad is actually bronze. And and he was like a leathery beach dad, so... Actually a bronze man. Slightly concerned. So strange. So I'm slightly concerned about that, but I mean, mostly my week has been filled with um, all of these Golden Globes bits and pieces, Timmy and Harness and um, Olivia Colman. What are yours? Um, mine's still Michael Zegan. Yeah, I'm I mean, really that's fair. Sorry. Um, he has been very good on Instagram this week, went to the Golden Globes. Good boy. Um, there was also a delightful picture of him at a... Um, Golden Globes after party with the three Heim sisters, which was like oh my the, god, yes, did see that the most delightful thing ever, um, and it made me even more want to be one of the Heim sisters. So. They're just so aspirational. Yeah, really, I'm, aren't I'm they? hoping that this will probably ride its way out, but I just can't. He's just so consistently handsome, and also he's like such a surrogate Jake Gyllenhaal. He is. I can kind They've of feel that, that and I vibes. assume at the moment you're giving him a bit of distance because he's been doing some weird relationship things. He's so upset me a bit. So. He has upset you somewhat. So I think that's healthy to, you know... It's good to have distance, isn't it? It is, it is. Um, so that's us done. You can find us online, Twitter, we're at the thirst, soundcloud.com forward slash the thirst pod. You can subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts by searching the thirst. Instagram, we're at the thirst pod. Our blog is thethirstpod.tumblr.com. We're facebook.com forward slash the thirst pod. And you can email us thethirstpod at gmail.com. Uh, bye. Bye. <laughs> Was Dappy in So Solid Crew? No, he wasn't. Oh. Who was Dappy in? I don't know. I can't remember. All I remember is that I was in a club once and uh, Dappy and some people from So Solid Crew were there. Oh, cool. There you go. What a life you live. Oh my God, yeah. Hung out with them. No, I didn't hang out with them at all. I literally <laughs> laughed from afar and was like, lol. I just have learned so much about you. Well, yeah, a... just from my clubbing days. Um, all those like four times I've been to a club. That On, the, on one of those four <laughs> occasions that you went to a... <laughs>